Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Tonight, dozens missing in Oregon and a state of emergency is declared in Portland as the state's two largest fires are expected to merge. A devastating week of wildfires out west. Blazes burn in 11 states. The death toll rising. Towns in California reduced to ash and rubble. The homes in this lakeside community have been incinerated. Sobering prediction. Dr. Anthony Fauci on when life will return to normal and the activity the CDC says adults diagnosed with the coronavirus were two times more likely to do. On the 19th anniversary of the worst terrorist attack on U.S. soil, the president and Joe Biden both visit the memorial to the heroes of Flight 93. Two vice presidents and an arm bump at ground zero as the country remembers 9-11, how the pandemic has changed the way we remember those lost. Plus, in high school on 9-11... It was a call to service because of of that day. 19 years later, the first living Delta Force member receives the Medal of Honor. How Sergeant Major Patrick Payne helped save more than 70 lives while dodging ISIS bullets. High-rise rescue, five workers hurt when a parking deck collapses. How they got out. The four ex-police officers charged in the death of George Floyd appeared together in court for the first time. One of the former officers in a bulletproof vest. And on the road with CBS's Steve Hartman. Something clicked when the electrician came to change a light. He ended up changing a life. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin with the staggering and rising death toll tonight from 100 wildfires that are now raging across 11 western states. And as we come on the air, at least 17 people have been killed by the blazes. Dozens more are still missing in Oregon, where tonight sources tell CBS News the flames are so intense, they are bracing for the possibility they won't have enough resources to try and handle the dead. Now, these monstrous fires are moving so fast, they are now overwhelming fire crews, leaving much of Oregon under a state of emergency. 
one in 10 people there are now under evacuation orders. And tonight, the toxic smoke and ash spewing from the growing blazes has made the air quality in Portland and San Francisco the worst in the world. It is so bad that people in the Bay Area are being told to stay inside as fires continue to decimate hundreds of thousands of acres nearby. And in some places, the smoke is so thick, it is impossible to even see the scope of the devastation. And it all comes on a day, September 11th, already marred by the memory of the terror attacks in New York, Washington, and Pennsylvania. So we have a lot of new reporting to get to on this somber anniversary. We've got our team of correspondents. They are standing by to cover it all. CBS's Carter Evans is going to lead off our coverage tonight from the scene of one of the largest wildfires in California history. Good evening, Carter. Good evening, Nora. When the fire raced through here, it burned so hot, the only thing left standing is the chimney. But it's not just these homes. The devastation is all across the western U.S. Home after home, block after block, town after town. The amount of destruction is staggering. Now flames are closing in on the suburbs of Portland, Oregon, where there's a state of emergency. Officials say they're now preparing for a mass fatality incident. As of now, there are early reports from our state police that there are dozens of missing persons related to the fires. In Oregon, half a million are under evacuation orders, more than 12 percent of the state's population. Those fires are also creating choking smoke all up and down the West Coast, from Los Angeles to Seattle. The worst air quality in the world is now in Oregon. And in California, this fire north of Sacramento is now the largest in state history. In the town of Berry Creek, California... This used to be a lakeside community full of beautiful homes nestled in the woods. You look around here now, though, and everything is gone. These homes have been incinerated. This man lost his house two years ago in the campfire. This week, his new house burned down. It hurts more this time, I think, than last time. Being that we're starting to rebuild our life and getting things back together again and and having to rebuild is rather devastating. Homes can be rebuilt, but this fire has also claimed at least 10 lives, including 16-year-old Josiah Williams. His body found last night near his Berry Creek home. In Washington state, Jamie and Jake Highland were camping with their one-year-old son, Uriel. They couldn't make it to a nearby river in time. How long were they on the shore? It was probably over 48 hours. The parents suffered severe burns. Uriel died, and Jamie also lost her unborn child. In my worst dreams, I couldn't imagine what my sister and brother-in-law had to go through and to do everything they could to fight for their lives and to protect their child and still to lose him and her baby. It's There's no words and nothing will ever make it right. Little Uriel was just one month shy of his second birthday. Now, there is some hopeful news tonight. The wind here is forecast to calm down this weekend, and they're expecting some rain in the Pacific Northwest next week, and that's much needed, Nora. There are no words for that loss. Her sister is right. Carter, let me ask you about the air quality there. How bad is it? Well, you may be able to see around me. The air is thick with smoke. And here in California, they're now opening centers where people can go and catch a break from the bad air. All right, Carter Evans, thank you. We heard a sobering prediction today from Dr. Anthony Fauci, the country's leading infectious disease expert, said normal life may not return until the end 
of next year. Six months to the day after the coronavirus was declared a pandemic, more than 192,000 Americans have died. New cases have fallen since the summer peak, but there were 35,000 new infections yesterday. Here's CBS's Manuel Bohorkas. We need to hunker down and get through this fall and winter because it's not going to be easy. Despite downward trends in new cases in 24 states, Dr. Anthony Fauci is warning of new surges. I am concerned when I see things starting to move indoors, and that becomes more compelling when you get into the fall and the winter season. Yet in Nebraska, where COVID cases are on the rise, the governor is ending nearly all social distancing restrictions in bars, churches and gyms beginning on Monday. Other concerns nationwide, cooler weather packing more people indoors and the pandemic merging with the flu season. Kylan Watkins back in. The college football season just got off to a start, albeit a socially distanced one. But there are concerns games where fans are allowed could become super spreader events. Even with strict precautions, this Plainview New York school bus is mostly empty. Typically, there are 40 students on board. Today, there were only five. The reason why I think these buses aren't really filling up with all the kids is just basically these parents are scared. Public schools in Los Angeles County will not reopen until at least November. But that's not true of bars in Florida. They can begin to operate at 50% capacity starting Monday, except in Miami-Dade County where it's still deemed too risky. So all of this is new, the plexiglass? All of this is brand new. Philippe Khalifa owns El Patio, a bar in Miami. The, the county is saying it's still too risky. What do you say to that? Let us be more like a restaurant where we can serve people at their table, you know, serve them drinks uh, and have a good time and not have people running everywhere or dancing everywhere. A new CDC report says patients who tested positive for the coronavirus were nearly twice as likely to report having gone to eat at a restaurant within two weeks of taking their test than those who tested negative. It's important to note, however, the study did not ask those patients whether they sat indoors or outdoors. Nora. Manuel Bohorkas, thank you. Today in Minneapolis, the four ex-police officers charged in the death of George Floyd appeared together in court for the first time. One of them, Derek Chauvin, was seen leaving in an orange jumpsuit and bulletproof vest. He is being held on murder charges. The other three are charged with aiding and abetting him. The ex-officers are seeking separate trials. But today, prosecutors asked the judge to try all four of them together. Chauvin was seen pressing his knee on George Floyd's neck until he lost consciousness. Floyd's death set off nationwide protests against police's, police treatment of African Americans. On the 19th anniversary of 9-11, President Trump and Joe Biden paid separate visits to hallowed ground in Pennsylvania, the memorial to the heroes of Flight 93. A solemn day comes as last night's crowded Trump rally draws concern from health experts. We get more now from CBS's Ben Tracy. President Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden both visited Shanksville today, the site where Flight 93 crashed on 9-11, its passengers preventing another attack that day. Together they charged the cockpit. They confronted the pure evil. And in their last act on this earth, they saved our capital. One of the marks of being an American is understanding there's some things that are bigger and more important than yourself. The two rivals put the campaign on hold, even though they were in the critical battleground state of Pennsylvania. Joe Biden did drop off beer at a local firehouse, and earlier at Ground Zero in New York, he met a woman who lost her son on 
The former vice president and the current one, Mike Pence, shared an elbow bump, a moment of civility in the heated home stretch of the campaign. President Trump once again ignored his own administration's guidelines on coronavirus, holding a rally in Michigan Thursday with no social distancing and few masks. Mr. President, why are you still holding rallies with no social distancing and no masks? The head of the National Institutes of Health says he doesn't understand. As a scientist, I'm pretty puzzled and rather disheartened. And Dr. Anthony Fauci said he's not happy with how the president has minimized the virus. When you downplay something that is really a threat, that's not a good thing. And here at the White House today, President Trump announced a peace deal between Israel and Bahrain. This is the second Arab country to normalize its relations with Israel in just the past 30 days. They're going to have a signing ceremony here at the White House next week. Nora. Ben Tracy at the White House, thank you. Today's anniversary bore a chilling similarity to the days after 9-11, with America once again shaken by a national crisis. In no place was that more evident than in New York City. Here's CBS's Meg Oliver. Today, the chime of a bell echoed in lower Manhattan at 846, beginning the somber remembrances of 9-11. Faina Rappaport. But the touching tributes looked very different in a global pandemic. Michael Walk Andrews. Instead of family members reading the names of the nearly 3,000 people killed in the attacks, a recording took their place to ensure social distancing. On 9-11, an eerie calm eventually settled over New York. Today, the normal hum of city life is replaced with quiet streets and boarded-up buildings as New York struggles to return to normal once again. There's an answer. Remembrances stretched across the country, from Detroit, where officers paid their respects, to Dallas, where wreaths and flowers were placed at the 9-11 Flight Crew Memorial. 343 firefighters were killed on 9-11. Every member of the FDNY lost a friend or a colleague. Leonard and Anthony Regalia lost their father. I just hope that any of the memorials or uh, stuff that they do every year never goes away. You know, it's, it's something that can't be pushed to the side. There were some who believed playing a recording of victims' names rather than having survivors read them out loud robbed them of a healing ritual. One group invited family members to read the names in a simultaneous ceremony a few blocks away. Nora? Meg Oliver, thank you. The attacks of 9-11 inspired many Americans to enlist in the military. One of them is Sergeant Major Patrick Payne, who received the Medal of Honor from President Trump today. Here's CBS's David Martin with his extraordinary story of courage. Sergeant Major Patrick Payne was a senior in high school on 9-11. Did you enlist because of 9-11? Yeah, it was a call to service because of, because of that day. Today, he received the nation's highest honor for his actions in a daring hostage rescue mission in Iraq in 2015. As we're flying the target, the pilot passes that one-minute call back, and that's when all joking stops, and that's when you make that transition from soldier to warrior. The elite Delta Force stormed a compound where ISIS was preparing to execute their prisoners. You can hear the firefight going on outside as they herd the prisoners out of their cells. But more were trapped in a second building, which was on fire and in danger of collapse. Payne ran inside with a pair of bolt cutters to cut the locks. So how many times did you go back in that building? 
think a total of four or five times, sir. Four or five times. On fire, in danger of collapsing, enemy fire. You know, it's our duty to bring those men home. More than 70 hostages who were about to die instead freed from their cells and flown to freedom. They realized they're being liberated. And that's when it hit me. I'm like, what did we just do? One thing Sergeant Major Patrick Payne did was bring honor on the 9-11 generation. David Martin, CBS News, the Pentagon. And another act of honor, Payne and his wife Allison named their son after another American hero, Master Sergeant Josh Wheeler, a fellow soldier who died during that Iraq mission. Breaking tonight, tropical storm watches are now up along the southeast Florida coast after Tropical Depression 19 formed this afternoon. The storm is expected to dump heavy rain on South Florida tomorrow before it targets the Gulf Coast, dumping more rain from Pensacola to New Orleans early next week. And the National Hurricane Center is also watching two other systems in the Atlantic. It's such an active season that there are only four letters left in the alphabet to name those storms. So get this, then we have to dip into the Greek alphabet, which has only been done once before. So think about alpha, beta, delta, on and on and on. All right. Now to this story. A frightening scene in Atlanta today when a parking garage under construction partially collapsed. Five workers were hurt. One was trapped under debris. And once he was freed, he had to be lowered nine stories to the ground using a crane. New Orleans native Lawrence Brooks has a lot to feel good about. Brooks is the nation's oldest living World War II veteran, and he turns 111 on this Saturday. Staff at his VA facility serenaded him, and he got birthday cards from all 50 states. So what's his secret? Brooks says it's simple. Serve God and be nice to people. Happy birthday, 111. Congress designated 9-11 a national day of service, and CBS's Steve Hartman met an army of volunteers doing just that by transforming a home and a life. Here's tonight's On the Road. Any electrician can flip a switch, but only John Kinney of Woburn, Massachusetts, can make a customer light up like this. Please don't pinch me because I don't want to wake up. Yeah. (laughs) That's one fine electrician. Oh, A thousand times over. Last month, 72-year-old Gloria Scott called John to fix a ceiling light. But he soon discovered that broken light was the least of her problems. Too poor to make any house repairs and too prideful to ask for help, Gloria's house was in total disrepair. No lights, no running water. I think I seen on a Friday and it stuck with me over the weekend. I said, I got to go back there, you know. So John returned and started working for free. He also started a Facebook page titled, Nice Old Lady Needs Help, where he called on other tradespeople to join him. On the Facebook page, you said, it's not like we're trying to rebuild her whole house. (laughs) Yeah, well, now it looks like we are. (laughs) It sure does. This whole porch is going to get rebuilt. You can see up there, that's where, like, a lot of the raccoons and stuff are getting in. They've been at it about a month now, putting in all new electrical, all new plumbing, New windows and walls and ceilings. Almost everything is getting repaired or replaced, from the backyard lawn to the front porch steps. Wow. It's what you're supposed to do. It's what you're supposed to do. Seems the whole town of Woburn has bought into that mantra. Come on. (laughs) Even those who can't build are now showing up with shovels and rakes, sending gift baskets, and plying the workers with food. Look at these people. I mean, 
John is equally speechless. Yep. It's just, there's no words for it, you know. It's not going to end with this house, though, either, is it? I don't want it to, and that's why we put a name to it, the Glorious Gladiators, and we want to keep going with this. John would like to see chapters of Glorious Gladiators across the country, helping seniors in similar situations. Seniors like Gloria Scott, who had a broken light, but now shines brightly thanks to an electrician, hardwired for kindness. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Woburn, Massachusetts. What a beacon for kindness indeed. Next week on the CBS Evening News, we begin a new series, America Decides Battleground 2020, and we start in Arizona. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. We want to leave you with these images from where the Twin Towers once stood as we remember the lives lost on 9-11 and the families left behind. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sant from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts.